0: We're discussing the Inyonim of Kedushas hatfillin Because today's is Yom Inu Tfilin. And I want to bring to your attention some incredible stories. Because these stories can give a person tremendous chizek to Tefilin. There was a Talmud of the Chovetz Chaim. Comes into the Rebbe, comes into the Chovetz Chaim and he says, Rebbe, I have no money. I can't afford anything. I can barely put bread on the table. I want to give my kids something for Shabbos. It's so difficult for me. So the Chovetz Chaim, the Tzitkus, you know, he was very bothered by this. He started to think about what he could do for this dear Talmud of his to maybe make his life a little bit easier. And the Talmud, before giving the Chovetz Chaim even a chance to speak, said, Rebbe, I came up with an idea. I came up with an idea. So the Rebbe said, sure, okay, let's see. Beautiful, what's the idea? He said, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to give up the scha of wearing tefillin for just one day. Just one day. I'll give up the scha and I'll ask Hashem to pay me in this world and therefore, with money, okay? And this will have money to support my family. Because right now I can barely put bread on the table and it's very, very hard for me. All so right. I'll, give up, I'll give up the schar for one villain to do that. So the Chavut Chaim thought for a moment. And he said, okay, I want to give you a marshal. He said the following marshal. Imagine you walk in to a grocery store, supermarket, and you need a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread costs you two and a half dollars, whatever. Okay. You have a brand new bill that just came out. It's a, a million dollar bill. Right? It's, a, it's a bill that is a million dollars. Now that's all you have. You don't have any change on you. So you take it out of your pocket and you give it to the, to the guy. And you're like, okay, can I pay for my bread? It's two and a half dollars. Here's, here's my here's money. They've got change. The guy looks at him and says, I'm really sorry. I, I've got no change to give you. He said, but I have enough money to pay for it. He said, I know you have plenty of money. You can buy the whole store, never mind the whole street. But it, it, I'm really sorry. I, I haven't got enough change, for to give you. He the Chovetz Chaim like this. Chazal tell us, There is no mitzias of reward in this world for one mitzvah that you do. What does that mean? What is it? Hashem can't do it. Hashem will do anything. Rather, what it means is, says the Chovetz there is no reward that is enough in this world for one mitzvah. Sadduk of you cannot give up your straw even if you wanted to. Because there's no amount of reward that you can get for wearing tefillin one day. Forget about day after day. One day wearing tefillin. There is nothing in this world that will ever pay you for wearing tefillin one day. Just to give you an idea. The next time you, you know, Oh, I have to put my tefillin on, I forgot, I'm late, whatever. Just just remember, one wearing tfinan on one day. There is no amount of happiness. There is no amount of simcha. There is no amount of reward. There is no amount of money. There is no amount of pleasure. Nothing in this world that can pay you back for wearing tfinan for one day. You know, there's a boy in a wheelchair that came to the Ayatollah, Baba Sali. And he came to Baba Sali, had a leg injury after the Yom Kippur war here in Israel. And the doctors basically said, there's nothing we could do for your leg. We might have to amputate it. And he was very worried to have an amputated leg. It's terrible. So he came in a wheelchair, waited in line, went to go and see the Baba Salih, very, very holy, Sfardi Jew, a Kabbalist, and uh, one of the big tzaddikim of the generation. So he went to ask him for a bracha. And um, the Baba Salih said to him, tell me something, do you put on tfilin every single day? And the guy said, not really. He said, do you keep Shabbos? Mm, not really. He said, well, thank Hashem that you have at least one leg. The boy started crying. So the Baba Sali said, listen, I can give you a bracha for a complete, complete refor shalema. Complete. Okay? If you tell me that you're going to be a cabal and yourself to put on t'vinin. The guy thought about it for a minute. It was a big commitment. Right? He's not used to doing these things. Maybe it wasn't brought up that way. But he said, you know what? <coughs> Excuse me. To have a complete refor shalema, I'm willing to do it. Baba Sali said, stand up. i What supposed to be stand up. I'll just stand up. I'm that guy. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, stand up. Okay, you yeah, know the Bible to tells you to do something, you can do it, right? right. So he, he stood up, and miracle upon miracles, everyone and uh, his family were there. They'd seen him in a wheelchair. The guy couldn't move his leg. Never mind stu- he just stood up and he just walked out of the wheelchair. They, they, they saw it with their own eyes. Such is <coughs> the kabbalah of wearing tefillin. Tefillin, we don't realize an incredible, incredible mitzvah. <coughs> let, me, let me let me let me tell you now a really amazing story. You've got to listen to this. (coughs) Rabbi Yosef Wallace said over this story. It's such an incredible, incredible story. Rabbi Yosef Wallace is the director of Arachim and um, and Zorcha to be able to speak to them sometimes as well for them, make videos for them and whatever. And uh, listen to this incredible, incredible story. He was in a concentration camp, okay? And there was a yid there that was being taken to his death. All of a sudden... As, he was being, as this yid was being led to be killed, this yid flung a little bag at his father. Rabbi Yosef Wallace telling of a story. At my father, he said, Judah Wallace. So this bag is being thrown his way. He quickly caught it because natural reaction is something, you know, he quickly chuffed it and he quickly, you know, went away. He thought that, you know, maybe he had a bit of bread, so he figured, he's, I'm going to die, so I might as well give it to another Jew. He opens it up and he finds a pair of tefillin. Finds a pair of tefillin. Now Judah was very, very frightened because he knows that if you found tefillin in the camps, you're in huge trouble, not just you, the whole bunkhouse, everyone's going to be in trouble. It, it, you'll be put to death instantly, and who knows what trouble will be for everybody else. So what he did was, until further notice, until he knew what to do, he hid the tefillin under his shirt, and he ran to the bunkhouse, not knowing what to do. In the morning, just before roll call, he was still in the bunkhouse, he put on the tefillin, because he figured, I've got them, I've got the opportunity for a mitzvah, let me put it on, right? Unexpectedly, a German officer came in. And he ordered him to get the tefillin off, remove the tefillin. He took down the number on Judah's arm, because obviously that, you know, that identified who it was that did it. And he ordered him to go straight to the appell. At the appell, in front of thousands, appel is the roll call, thousands of silent Jews standing there in the freezing cold, the officer called out Judah's number. Now, he had no choice. They call out your number, you have no choice. They'll find you anyway. So he stepped forward. And the German officer waved the tefillin in the air and said, Dog, I sentence you to death by public hanging for wearing these. Now, Judah, there's nothing he could do in this situation. He did what he was told. He was placed on a stool and a noose was placed around his neck. Now, before he was hanged, the officer said in a mocking tone, Dog, what is your last wish? And Judah said, I want to wear my tefillin. For the very last time. The officer was dumbfounded. Yeah, how can you ask for such a thing? Come on, you're about to dump. But, okay. So he handed Judah the tefillin. As Judah put them on, he said the posuk that many of us say when we wrap around the tefillin of our finger. Right? V'arastek li Right? The of a mishpah. Basically, we cling to the Rebbein Shem in the connection with Hashem. We're married to Hashem. It's a very beautiful thing. Now, can you imagine the scene of a yid? That with a noose around his neck, wearing tefillin on his head and his arm, but that was the scene that the entire camp of Jews in the freezing cold were forced to watch as they awaited the impending hanging of the Jew who had dared to break a rule against wearing tefillin. Even the women from the adjourned, from the next door camp, were lined up at the entrance by the barbed wire that separated them from the men's camp, forced to watch this horrible, horrible sight as Judah. Turned to watch the silent crowd. He saw tears in people's eyes. Even at that moment. He was about to be hanged. He was shocked. Yidin were crying. How did they still have tears in their eyes. After being in the camps for so long. Where were these tears coming from? Impulsively. He called out in Yiddish. Yidin. Don't cry. With Tfilin on. I'm the victor. I won. Don't you understand? I won. The German officer understood the Yiddish. And was infuriated. He said to him. Judah. You dog. You think you're the winner? Hanging is too good for you. You're going to get another kind of death. Judah, my father, as he spares, Robert Wallace explains, was taken from the stool, and the noose was removed from his neck. He was forced into a squatting position, and two huge rocks were placed under his arms, and he was told that he would be receiving 25 lashes to his head, the head to which he had dared position his tefillin. The officer told him, that if he dropped even one of the rocks, he would be shot immediately. In fact, because it was such an extremely painful form of death, the officer advised him, drop the rocks now. You'll never survive the 25 lashes in your head. Nobody ever does. Judah's response was, no, I'm not giving you the pleasure. At the 25th lash, Judah lost consciousness and was left for dead. He was about to be dragged to the pile of corpses, after which he would have been burned in a ditch, When another Jew saw him, shoved him to the side, covered his head with a rag so people didn't realize he was alive. Eventually, after he recovered conscious fully, he crawled to the nearest bunkhouse that was on a raised pile and he hid under it until he was strong enough to come under and move on his own power. Two months later, he was liberated. During the hanging and beating episode, a 17-year-old girl had been watching the events from the women's side of the fence. After liberation, she made her way to the men's camp and found Judah. She walked over to him and said, I've lost everyone. I don't want to be alone anymore. I saw what you did that day when the officer wanted to hang you. Will you marry me? The rest is history. Rabbi Wallace's parents, this couple became parents, walked over to the Klosenberger Rebbe and asked that he actually make the Masada Kedushin. The Rebbe, whose Kedush Hashem was legendary, wrote out a Ksuba by hand from memory and married the couple. And Rabbi Wallace has that handwritten Ksuba ad hayoyim hazeh. This is the scene that they actually saw. This is the picture that was taken at the time of him with tefillin. Rabbi Yisai, Baruch Hashem. None of us have these Nisoyinus, and we should never have this Nisoyinus. But just think what a Yid would do for tefillin. Next time it's cold, your blankets are nice and warm, it's annoying the base medrash, you have to drive, they have to walk, they have to go down the stairs, whatever it is. Just think about the mysterious nefesh that Klhali's would have had throughout the generations. I'll just for, for end off with one last story. I said this in Auschwitz by one of the cattle cars that was donated there. I have a cousin of mine who lives in Tel Aviv, who originally um, comes from Australia. One of the very wealthy people in Australia. He, has, he had a yacht there that the Queen of England would come to Australia and go on his yacht. He owns a, a lot of Australia's football teams and TV channels. And he's a very, very public figure. I met all the prime ministers and, and people in the world. They have a book about him. Anyway, I went to visit him in his apartment in Tel Aviv not so long ago. And uh, we were talking. And he was telling me a story. And the story he told me was that his father was... It, it's a whole story and I have the whole book. If you want to read the book, I even have the book at home. That he gave me that. They wrote a book about this story. His father basically... Uh, brought with him on the cattle cart when they packed the Yidin in to go to the the concentration camps, he packed his tefillin, which was very dangerous, but he did it anyway, and he took it out with him as well. And there's a whole story how they managed to smuggle it in, smuggle it out, whatever it was. And uh, he was shot to death because he had his tefillin, and he died basically because of his tefillin. So this Yid from Tel Aviv, Viskost's father, donated and dedicated the only cattle cart that we can see, basically, in Auschwitz. If you go to Auschwitz-Birkenau, we went there with Yeshiva a couple of years ago. Mitzhashem will go again. And we went to that cattle cart, right, which my cousin basically donated over there. It's the only one, pretty much, that that was donated. And it was a whole story how he got it there. And inside, because my grandmother was there at the time, before they closed it and locked it, now there's a padlock on it. But when they made the procession, Rabbi Lau was there, the Sheva, Rabbi of Israel, they they took his father's fin and they, they put it in there as like a memory now I'm sitting there he's telling me over the story and I'm thinking to myself you know he's not religious okay for whatever reason we don't judge he's not religious and I'm thinking to myself you know your father was most in his life he gave up his life for tefillin and you don't wear tefillin right don't you think that's a shame he gave up his life for tefillin and you his son don't even put on tefillin how does that make sense and I'm thinking this right I'm not going to tell that to him he's an older man he's 90 he must be at least 94 years old right somewhere somewhere along there anyway he obviously read my thoughts because he says to me that he was by the. This, this just happened, this story about a year ago. And he said to me he was by his, one of the doctors that he was by, a Sfadi guy. And the Sfadi guy he was telling of the story too. And the Sfadi said to him, <laughs> Right in there. I don't understand you. You don't put on Tvinin. Your father died because of Tvinin. What's the matter with you? So he said, You know, it hit me. You're right. You're right. And he told me. That just before I came, about two months before I came, he started to wear tefillin every single day. Right? It's an amazing, amazing thing. And he saw so bracha and he saw so amazing things in his life. Rabbi say, we don't have these struggles. we don't have these But let's remember the koyach of tefillin. Every time we put on tefillin, we become attached to the rabbi nishal It's an opportunity that we get every single day of the week. Shabbos doesn't need it because Shabbos has its own so nice. eyes. But during the week, we have an opportunity to put on tefillin. People rush to take off their tefillin. People, okay, I'll do it later. No, no, no. Chaparain. Putting on your tefillin, you become married. V'arastach, you become married to the Rebbein. And B'Eizh HaShem is give us chizik to wear tefillin, to enjoy tefillin. And B'Eizh HaShem will give us tremendous for all the tefillin that we wear.